0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. I'm Liz Gill, the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified. Hello, Allison. Hey, Ruth. We are so glad that you are here with us over the Skype. And we're going to talk about AWD, between your vehicle repair question calls. Now, we did that one show on the acronyms, so I'm so excited I know what AWD is. Tell everybody all wheel drive all right now let's let's kind of start off with the very uh, tiny basics is all wheel drive the same thing as four wheel drive it's,
2: it's it's similar but it's not the same thing on all wheel drive on most vehicles is something that is always engaging the four tires in some percentage of torque, whereas on four-wheel drive, you lock it into the four-wheel drive where all four wheels are going, you actually turn a knob or push a button to turn it on, and it's not on full-time,
1: so that's so it's
2: just on demand.
1: That's what you would be if you're going mudding or you're climbing a steep hill or something like that?
2: Yes, that's for your off-road vehicles mainly.
1: Mm-hmm. So, all-wheel drive, um, and that's opposed to uh, cars either having front-wheel drive or real rear-wheel drive.
2: That's right. That's that's correct. Um, all-wheel drive. It it can be a primarily front-wheel drive car or rear-wheel drive car, and they just they turn on the other wheels for occasional slippage or when it detects slippage, but it's all-wheel drive, um, it does incorporate all four tires in pulling the car in in, in acceleration.
1: Oh, so this is something uh, the driver doesn't have to consciously think about?
2: That's right. That's right. It just works on its own on the system.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. all right. We've got a call this morning. Let's go to Rusty in Gulfport. Rusty, thanks for calling into AutoCorrect. Go ahead.
3: Hey, how y'all doing? Thanks for taking my call. I was uh, I was actually the second caller y'all had the very first day y'all went on the air.
2: Yay! Yay. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> good to hear from uh, me again.
3: Yeah, yeah, I told y'all I had uh, big shoes to fill from click and clack, and uh, you've done it. You've done a good job on it. Oh, uh, um, thank old, you. You my old Ford Super Forester. My son gave me. He put a new wheel bearing in the right rear. It's all wheel drive. Oh, uh, and now it's making uh, this roaring noise that you can't hear anything else in the car from the noise coming from back there. But it doesn't make any noise going in reverse. I haven't torn it down yet. That's, that's the next thing to do. I'm just. Wondering uh, if that was a wheel bearing, would that be doing it in reverse also, wouldn't
2: it, or would it not? I'm not sure if it would or, or would not. I I haven't come across that question before, Rusty. Um, but with it roaring like that, that is a quintessential bearing issue. Maybe the other side is gone out. Or if that initially, what was what, what was was going on with it was the roaring that you're sounding, and that's why you changed the bearing. Sometimes yeah, they did. recommend that you do the, the full axle, and that means doing both tires on the rear on your okay. car. So maybe that's what's going on. Uh, but as far as it, it making noise in reverse, I'm not sure if it, if it would or not. It seems like it would. But it's at such a low speed that maybe it's not going to do that. It's only at, at when you're rolling down the road.
3: OK. Yeah, we well, only did one side, uh, had to have the bearing pressed in and all that mess in there. But we didn't do both, so that, yeah, that's, I guess that's a possibility. Didn't, didn't realize that. OK, well, we will check that out and see what happens on it. I appreciate you.
1: Oh, thank Sounds you, good. Rusty. We always appreciate uh, our callers, and we love Gulfport. We had such a nice time at uh, viewing the cruise when we were there in October. So, thanks for calling in, Rusty. yeah, oh,
3: welcome. We're here driver. So- <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Thanks. Good luck to you. Bye bye. Uh, we've got uh, Jake and Gary also on the phone. So let's go to Jake, who's calling in from Faulkner. Thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect. Go ahead. Yes.
3: Um, I think about the best I wheel drive now on the market is the Subaru. Uh, we got a, one a year ago. And I mean, um, they're just advertised. You we know, went from a Ford Ranger to a Subaru. Output.
1: Yeah, Subaru's. I think you know, are, Allison. Are all the Subarus are they all all wheel drive, or some of them front wheel drive, or something?
2: I believe that some of them are front wheel drive, but I think the majority of them are all wheel drive. My they make on wheel
1: drive. What, Jake? They make everything all wheel drive. Oh, they do. Yeah, my daughter went to college in Vermont. And every, you know, four out of five cars seemed to be Subarus. And my yep. siblings went to all went to school in Colorado in the 70s. And even in the 70s, it seemed like uh, in Colorado, everybody was driving uh, Subarus for their uh, great traction. And, and you're liking the Outback, Jake?
4: Oh, yeah, yeah.
5: I went from
1: a a Ford Ranger to a a C3. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Let's go to Gary, who's on the road. Gary, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect. Go ahead.
6: Uh, Yes, ma'am. I've got a 06 Dodge Dakota. Now, it's not all-wheel drive or anything, but I did have a question uh it's no six dodge dakota slt uh it's only got 140 thousand miles on it i've developed a problem uh it's been a great running truck but just going down the road uh it just has a uh like a delay in it i don't know if it's a transmission or is there a sensor that may be going out just uh, a quick delay you step on the gas it it cuts it out uh it's kind of been perplexing me because i i can't figure out what the problem is
2: do you have a check engine light on
6: no there's no check engine light has come on uh it almost feels like it might be in the transmission because you know i'll be going down the road and it'll just uh uh, it'll kind of jerk. It'll, it'll uh, you know, just a little bit. But if you you give it a little gas and go on, it, it, it cuts it out. Uh,
2: I have to wonder if it's something in the throttle body. But the, Now, I'm just guessing on that, because uh, I've heard of problems, something similar to that, with, with throttle bodies being the culprit on that problem. But what you need to do is have someone... Um, an ASC certified mechanic diagnose that with the computer, they're going to have to drive it down the road with the computer in the car and look and see what's happening exactly when that delay is is happening. And, and, and they're going to have to know how to read what the values are of the different sensors and everything and know what it's supposed to be doing and can tell what it's, not doing correctly at the time that that happens that's the way you would diagnose that so that's that's what needs to happen to to get that correct and and also just to put it on the computer in general because you may have some pending codes that are not setting off a check engine light but can kind of point you in the direction of what maybe be actually going on and sometimes your car stores codes, and they're and it's and they're having a, a glitch or a problem, but it's not enough to set off the check engine light. So that could be what's going on, and so that's yeah, what it, I recommend it, it, that you get done and just go ahead and have it looked at with a a, a really good mechanic with a correct computer.
6: Yeah, because I, I don't have any kind of check engine light on now. Uh, it only uh, I. I use my cruise control a lot. I'm wondering if it, it might have anything to do with that cruise control, but uh, it does it on the pedal too. I mean, not, not just with a cruise control, but uh, it's just uh, perplexing to me because I, I don't have a check engine light come on. And uh, it almost feels to me like it may be in the transmission. Is there like a sensor or a, an actuator? And there that
2: it's affecting. Um, no, with I, I kind of doubt that it's the transmission because with the transmission, if it's having a problem, it's going to continually have a problem, like slipping. Um, and and that's kind of what it feels like it's doing, like it's slipping, like the transmission slipping. That's it's not going to randomly do that, or it shouldn't. and it, it, it should do that constantly if it's having a problem. So. Yeah, we okay. this okay. is one for the for the high end diagnostics that I recommend occasionally. People find uh, them a shop that has the ASC certified mechanic and go ahead and and get that looked at thoroughly and so that you're not just replacing parts and throwing parts at it that you know exactly what's going on. And it may take you know, it may take them some time to figure out what's going on with it. Or, you know, hopefully it's quick, but that this one this, this that does sound perplexing, and that may take a minute to figure out exactly what's going on.
6: Okay, well I, I sure appreciate it. Thank you much.
2: You're welcome.
1: More info about all-wheel drive cars next. Send your emails to auto at mpbonline.org. Is your car under recall? We'll have a list of ones that are when we come back. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio.
4: matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the
1: MPB public media app. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic. I'm Liz Gill. If you want even more autocorrect, we hope you'll find our podcast, which is on all podcasting platforms for your smart devices. Now, here are the recalls for the week. Now, last week, there was a recall of a Lamborghini, and I said, I want someone to call in who's been in a Lamborghini. And we got Chico from Oxford. So this week, there's a recall for 2018 to 2020 Bentley been b-e-n-t-a-y-g-a so i want someone who's ridden in a bentley to to give us a call uh, that recall uh, dealers will replace the upper seat belt attachment bolt for free there's 3300 bmw x3 x4 three series and eight series vehicles dealers will inspect and replace the front seat belt buckles as necessary for free and then also the 2020 mercedes-benz gle class and gls class dealers will replace the rear cross member for free And the 2018-2019 mercedes-benz mercedes maybach s-class dealers will replace the engine oil plugs for free you can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the national highway transportation safety administration's website nhtsa.gov recalls and inputting your vin number those are some high-end high-class vehicles there uh allison
2: Yes, they are. I, I like them. Uh, I, love, I love Bentleys, and I love Maybox, so that's awesome.
1: All right. We've been talking about uh, all-wheel drives a little bit, AWD. Um, are there some different kinds of maintenances or behaviors that you have to keep in mind if you do have an all-wheel drive vehicle?
2: Yes, there are. In the vehicle, on the underside of the car, you have the transfer case, and that transfers the power to the wheels as needed, and that has fluid in it, like transmission fluid, that that you would change as often as you would the transmission fluid, and also they have, some of them have a differential, some of them have a couple of differentials, and those need to be changed out with differential fluid, the same amount, same time that you would the transmission fluid on a vehicle, and those are often neglected on all-wheel drive vehicles, Um, because a lot of times people don't even realize they have an all-wheel drive vehicle. I had a customer that had a Toyota RAV4. That was all-wheel drive, and I had to recommend going ahead and, and doing the maintenance on the transfer case and the differential, and they, they didn't even know that they needed that. So those are those are the two main things of the maintenance that, that are extra on all-wheel drive cars.
1: Now remind us again how do the all-wheel drives work? How how do the how does the car magic it, in my mind it's magic. How does it magically know when to turn it on, when to do what what wheel?
2: Okay. What it does is all-wheel drive when it detects slippage, whether that's because you're driving in the rain or snow or mud, When it detects that it's slipping, it will send the power away from the wheel that's slipping and put more power towards the drive axle that has torque, that has traction, excuse me, and send more power up that direction, up to a 50-50 split of power, and, um... Or it can do, I'm sorry, that it can do up to 100% power on an axle. And the systems are a little bit different between cars, but that's the general idea of, of how they work is when they detect slippage, they're sending power to the wheels that have traction. And that's how you get better traction with the all wheel drive cars.
1: Now, like I mentioned, I've seen tons of Subarus that have all-wheel drive in Cal- in Colorado and in Vermont. Is it necessary in Mississippi?
2: Not really. Um, it's an extra feature that costs more. You get l- less gas mileage. Um, it does make the value of your vehicle higher because of the initial cost is, is higher. All-wheel drive systems cost anywhere from up around fifteen hundred dollars to up to three thousand extra dollars on a vehicle around up in there so that that it does cost more but we don't have snow here hardly at all and that's one of the main uh, areas that all will drive excels at and um, other than that your traction control system helps out a lot and that's on all vehicles pretty much these days so for a, a loss of traction, that that system is enough to to help out versus an all wheel drive system. So in Mississippi, we don't necessarily need it.
1: We are talking about all wheel drive, but we're also taking your vehicle repair questions uh, about just about anything. If you're home and you want to know what repairs you can do from your home, you know this would be a great time to learn. What you can learn about your car. We would love, but uh, we're taking all sorts of vehicle repair questions. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, is ASE certified and uh, she's pretty smart. So, this is your chance to give us a call. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. Now you mentioned that uh, it, it's not really necessary in Mississippi, uh, but you talk about slippage would that would it be beneficial for driving on wet roads because Mississippi certainly gets a lot of water
2: It is beneficial on for wet driving but the traction control that's on your vehicle that most vehicles have these days most vehicles have these days anyway. Um, can handle that situation uh, for dealing with the, the slippage on the uh, occasional rain slippage. Um, so so it's not particularly necessary for here where we're we're not constantly dealing with it. We do have a lot of rain, but the but the all drive system are more for snow and ice which are what this where the system excels at so we don't get much snow we don't get much ice so not quite as necessary to spend the money extra for that now if you if you just want it for peace of mind definitely it it definitely does help but it's but it's not necessary
1: All right. We've got a lot of calls pouring in now. Let's first go to Jerry in Memphis. Jerry, thanks so much for calling in to AutoCorrect. Go ahead.
4: Hey, thanks for taking my call. I have a 2017 Subaru Outback. I used to be a Jeep guy, but now I'm a Subaru guy, and and it's, it's it's a nice change. Better mileage and a lot more comfortable. I've got thirty-nine thousand one hundred eighty-three miles on it, and I'm wondering what Miss Allison thinks about the CVT transmission. Their recommended oil changes at a hundred thousand miles, and I've never, ever, ever gone that far. I generally change my training fluid at thirty to forty thousand miles, and Subaru recommends a hundred thousand miles. So I'm just wondering about her opinion on that. And one other thing, I've had this in the southern clay mucky, slippery, knee-deep, well, not quite knee-deep stuff. And in the X mode with uh, all train tires, it does just as well as any four-wheel drive I've ever had.
2: Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's a good deal. Well, i tell you what I think about transmission fluid having an interval of 100,000. I'm kind of with you on that. I like to change the fluid at every 50,000 at least. I, when you initially get the car, I'd like to change it earlier than that at about 30,000 because of the debris buildup from break-in. But after that, every 50,000 is what I recommend. So I don't know if I agree with Subaru on 100,000 mile service interval on the CVT transmission. I, I would be, and I and I wish I could talk to the tech directly and ask them exactly why they think that that's a, that's a okay interval for the car. So I uh, definitely don't see where it would hurt to change it sooner than they're recommending. So if, if that's what you feel comfortable with, I kind of agree with you, to be honest on that yeah, I'll, I'll, so, I'll so to do me it. I'll that makes do. sense that the that the fluid wouldn't last that long
4: I'll, I'll probably do it myself their logic is it's a, a constant or continuously variable transmission it doesn't have the clutch packs and stuff in it that a normal six seven or eight speed automatic transmission has therefore it don't have the wear products in it but you still got the wear products between the cone and the chain so, right I, 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 mm-hmm. I, you know I'm glad that we agree and, and thank you for your time and, and I hope. More people support this public broadcasting every month like I do. Have a good day. Bye-bye.
1: Oh, thank you for supporting us. Thank you, Jerry. We appreciate you very, very much. Our email address where you can send questions anytime is auto at org. We're talking about all-wheel drive vehicles, AWD, and we're taking more of your car repair questions next What's an unreliable car not to buy? We'll get to that in a bit. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio.
0: The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns.
6: Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.
1: Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, is our expert. I'm Liz Gill, and I hope you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to our show on the MPB Public Media app, you could click the support button and support us just like our good friend Jerry says he does each month because we really rely on contributions to purchase our national programming and to keep the lights on here. So thank you, all of our listeners. Thank you so much for your contributions to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Now, Consumer Reports has a list of vehicles that have a record of much worse than average overall reliability based on subscriber responses to their annual auto survey today we're going to caution you about the ford focus the 2016 through 20 2012 through 2016 models they've reported having interior accessory problems so anyway just consider reading up on the reliability of this car or any used car before purchasing it suggests consumer reports carcomplaints.com is another resource for unreliable car lists we've been talking about all-wheel drive cars today but we're taking your car repair questions about anything that's why allison is here so first we're going to go to francois who's calling in from florence alabama francois thanks for calling us go ahead
5: well thank you ladies and good morning I uh, use, Yes, ma'am. I used to uh, religiously clean the engines in the 80s and 90s of my cars every two years or so. And uh, I have now three vehicles, before the Ford F-150, uh, which is 12 years uh, old, and a uh, Honda Odyssey uh It's uh, now over 14 years, and uh, a Honda Fit, and all the engines are quite dirty and have not been cleaned for over 10 years. So I wanted to clean them, but when I went to the YouTube, I'm getting conflicting uh, advices from mechanics. Some of them, they said, don't worry about it, don't even... Think about cleaning the engines and some they said yeah it has a advantage to clean the engines beside being pretty under the hood so I was wondering what Allison think about this uh, issue
2: I think what it is it's a, it's the way you clean the engine if you do it in uh, de- detail with the water hose probably like you used to do it you don't want to do that these days you just want to wipe everything off and you can use an engine degreaser with that and put that, put it on there and then be aware of your sensors you don't want to obviously put it put any kind of liquid or fluid on the sensors so that's to me that's the difference between how you used to clean them off um it is it, to avoid it doing doing the full wash so just to wipe everything down that you can reach and get to if you want it clean otherwise you know it's it isn't necessary to clean the clean the engine off just to keep the the air filter clean and um and that's that's the main thing that you want to be aware of
5: and is there any advantage to cleaning the engines uh, uh nowadays
2: no, n- not that uh, that I can think of. There's, like I said, just making sure the air filter is clean where your air comes into your engine, and that's the only part that affects the inside of, of your engine. So, no, I, I wouldn't say there's any advantage to cleaning it Um the only thing I could think of is if you had an oil leak and you want to see where it's coming from, you might want to clean that area off and and see if you're where the problem is from, but otherwise, I couldn't see the advantage of it or making a difference or a huge Not, difference of any sort. Well
5: gotcha. Right, that's so That's very helpful and a uh, happy anniversary.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, Francois. We appreciate you calling in. We're going to go to Dennis, who's called in from Iuca. Dennis, thank you so much for calling in to autocorrect today.
0: Thanks for being there for us. Okay, I've got a 2015 Ram 1500, and I am being tormented with a very intermittent uh, functioning cruise control. And when I say intermittent, it could turn on first time I try to use it and it'll be on until two months later. And then it'll be off for two hours and then it'll be on again for a day. And then it'll be on for seven months and then it'll, and it's driving me crazy. And I've been told that there are several different contributors. And with my luck, If there's three components that all work together, the last one is the one that I'm probably going to be successful with uh, fixing the problem. So what's your best guess as to where I should start so that this thing will actually work?
2: Oh, I wish I had an answer for you. Um, I have a cousin that's having a problem with her cruise control on her Dodge and her Dodge truck. And... um, she had it looked at, and they they recalibrated something, and it kind of fixed it for a minute, and then it started going back and doing it again. So I'm I'm so sorry; I don't have an answer for you. That's something that I'd have to look into, but it, it seems to be a reoccurring problem um, on these vehicles, and. It, I, would, I don't know if you've taken it to the Dodge dealership, but I'm sure they're used to dealing with it. That's who I would recommend to look into it and see if they can figure it out. Um, I'm, I'm really not sure what components these days are part of it. I know you've got your throttle position sensor and your your electronic throttle bodies, and I don't know if it's within the, the sensor, the throttle position sensor, or... Or, or how that system works these days. It used to work by cable, and it was motorized, and it was a simple system that worked. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not real sure. It could be in the switch itself is acting up. So I'm, I'm sorry I don't have a, a clear-cut answer for you on which component it could be or what direction to head on, but the only thing I can recommend is to take it to a Dodge dealership where they're dealing with this and hopefully they have a, a fix for it. Have you taken it to the Dodge dealership yet, or to one
0: No, I haven't, because as I mentioned, my luck is really, really bad. So I know <laughs> that the first and second thing I, ch- somebody tells me to do isn't gonna need to be done. It's the third one that we're gonna do. So I just wanted your opinion, and you've told me the three different components that I've heard, it might be best okay. for me to just say okay do all three i don't know
2: but all right yeah you. i hope not that would it sounds like that would be a little bit expensive but hopefully it's just a sensor and it's, and it's, say it's right up on the throttle body where you could just replace it and so not um, say the computer or something more serious
0: so start with the sensor would be your best bet
2: no, I Quite possibly. Well, my my advice is to take it to the Dodge dealership on on this area. Don't don't replace the sensor unless you know for sure that that that's acting up on it. And the only way to know that is to put it on the diagnostic computer and see what it's doing when the problem is happening. And and you know since it's intermittent, you have to catch it when it's happening and yes. take it up there at that time. So that's that's what I recommend. I wish you luck on it. Well, thank <laughs> um, you so much. With Dodges, we, we're well aware of them having a little electrical problems that are that can be a little bit difficult to track down sometimes.
0: So well, I do wish you luck on that. You. Thank you very much, and be safe.
1: Thanks, Dennis. Thank you, you we appreciate you calling in. Allison, you've mentioned on the show before about when individuals think it's something and they start replacing things willy-nilly. Uh, remind us again what's your uh, philosophy and what your guidance is on that.
2: I like to do the, to have a high-end diagnostics done to make sure that you're replacing a component that actually is acting up The thing is, is that that takes time, and a lot of people don't want to pay for that diagnostics time. They want to just throw parts at it, which can end up costing a lot more than what it would cost if you initially let it get diagnosed properly. So I recommend people to go ahead and and find a good, good mechanic who's really passionate about diagnosing things like like for instance the cruise control that he has problems and not throwing parts at it. Let him diagnose it and figure out and, and like I said sometimes that takes some diagnostic time. It can take an hour or two and you do have to pay for that but it's cheaper than if you're just throwing parts at it that can add up and I've seen that happen many times where people just start replacing parts and the next thing you know they they've spent a ton of money and the problem is still not fixed
1: let's stay on the topic of cruise control for just a minute we got an email and it's uh this is from jim in houston and he asked if it's still a bad idea to set the cruise control while driving in the rain and just while you were talking to to dennis i looked up a couple of things um all the car insurance and uh, jalopnik one of the automobile mm, information sites they had conflicting information uh allison what what do you think about using cruise control in the rain
2: so when you, let's say you're driving down the road and you have cruise control on, it's raining, and you have an emergency situation where you have to slam on your brakes. Well, you don't get that little period of letting off the gas and then pushing the brakes that you would if you were not using cruise control. And so you can lose traction quicker. It throws your car off than throws the traction off. So you can lose control more likely so my thoughts on it are definitely do not drive in the rain with cruise control on because you don't get that little window of time where the the acceleration is coming off the tires and then pushing the brakes and that's what causes you to have a loss of control when when emergency braking with cruise control on in the rain so you don't you don't want to do that and that's That's my opinion on it, and that knowing what I know about traction control and how your car reacts, um, that's very important is is to have that little period where you're letting off the gas, and you don't get that when it's in cruise control because it just stays on the gas. So, it goes from full acceleration to all of a sudden braking, you're going to lose traction quicker like that so definitely leave the cruise control off in the rain in my opinion
1: well and that's what Allstate was saying and the Jalopnik article they got some engineer to test it but it was all well you could use it in this situation with this amount of rain and but not in this situation and this amount of rain so I think just a good overall bible verse to keep close to your heart is if it's raining don't use the cruise control We have been discussing AWD all wheel drive vehicles and taking your repair questions. You can always send us an email auto at mpbonline.org. What's in the news? We'll tell you next. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our live program, you can listen to the whole show at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. Stay tuned after the show at 11 a.m. It's Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Morgan McLeod now what's in the news this is interesting the trump administration proposes a modest increase in fuel efficiency standards for new cars and light trucks this is a decrease in the more increase in fuel efficiency that previous administrations have recommended The safer, affordable, fuel-efficient vehicles rule, safe rule, applies to most passenger vehicles for model years 2021 through 2026. Administration officials who unveiled the new rule this past Tuesday said it will save hundreds of lives each year by encouraging families to buy newer cars, that have the latest safety features because they'll be more affordable when freed from meeting tougher standards. So they'll be less fuel efficient, so they will cost less than the proposed more fuel efficient. Anyway, they're trying to stimulate the economy to get people to buy some new cars. I am Liz Gill, and I'm with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified. And we've got a couple calls coming in. Let's go to David in Port Gibson. David, thank you so much for calling into AutoCorrect today. Go ahead.
5: And good morning. I got a 2007 Pontiac G5, and it won't contact from the mission It Won't say nothing. Won't no light come on or nothing. Hmm.
2: Is your battery connections good?
5: Battery connecting good. You can cross it out from right in the hood, and it'll turn over, but it won't do nothing there.
2: Oh, okay. So the lights and the dash and everything will come on, but the starter's not engaging?
5: Uh, the light won't come on in the dash or none of that.
2: Oh, none of it will come on. Uh-uh. I have to wonder if your alternator's acting up, too. But, um... It's got to be something to do with your battery and that charging system. Um, And you feel like it may be in the switch itself, the ignition switch.
5: Yeah, it might be in the ignition switch. Then shorting somewhere. Shorting somewhere.
2: Um, Something with that system is what's acting up on there because it's—it's obviously it's not getting power to any systems. So it's either in your switch or your or your battery. Uh, it's got a loose connection or something. I, I would check the connections on the battery. I, I guess you have, but just double-check that they're good and tight and not corroded or anything like that that can cause it to not get any contact. And um, aside from that, if maybe your alternator's gone out and it's all acting together, it's all causing it not to come on so that's that's where I would start is checking the battery connections on there and making sure that they're good good and tight and they're getting contact and you may want to disconnect them and reconnect them starting with the negative and see if there's corrosion up under the connectors on there on the terminals and see if there's something that's keeping it from getting contact there If there's corrosion buildup or whatnot sometimes that can be up under your cable and you can't see it so okay.
1: that's what I would recommend
5: okay then thank you
1: thank you David You're we welcome. appreciate you calling in let's go to Jackson and talk with Stacy what's going on thanks for calling in into autocorrect
3: Hey, ma'am, how you doing? How you all doing? This is my first time um, on the show. Well, first time listening to the radio station. I like it, and um, I was yeah, and I was wanting to know. Um, I purchased a vehicle not long ago, and um, the thing about it, I, well, I looked around the vehicle, everything looked good. Um, I saw a little bit of a rust spot, but it wasn't nothing to you know, cause concerns, I didn't think. So when I got it home, after paying for it, I looked around it in detail, and I saw that it was rusted out under the bottom, of the frame, and I was wanting to know, is there anything that I can do to kind of prevent it from further, further happening?
2: Oh, man. Unfortunately, probably not. Um, I don't think there's anything that you can spray on it to decelerate rust on a vehicle unfortunately it looks like you you got a northern vehicle somehow and once they start rusting that's it. they call it the the cancer on your car so because it keeps going it keeps eroding and it can cause problems with replacing things if you have a repair concern or something like that i'm I uh, might want to start looking into getting a different vehicle, and maybe scrapping that one because you don't want to sell it like that. But you can, or you can drive it until you have a problem, and just know that it's going to be a little bit more of a of a wrestling match to get some of the bolts off that of a component if you need it replaced. And just keep that in mind when you take it to a shop, or if you do it yourself that it may take some extra man hours to replace a component that normally would, wouldn't take long.
3: Okay, so, um, well...
2: Stacy,
1: was- I'm afraid uh, that's it for our show. If you have uh, more questions for Allison, you can always email us, auto at mpbonline.org we're so glad that you found our show today in MPB Think Radio that's going to wrap us up for today our call screener today has been Java Chapman and our board engineer is Michelle McAdoo for Allison Walker Allison thank you so much I want to see your face someday <laughs> uh, I know <laughs> it's sooner than later I hope We <laughs> you can follow her on Facebook Twitter and Instagram as the lady auto mechanic i'm liz gill please join us each thursday for autocorrect on mpb think radio
3: this is an mpb think radio podcast